I'm Haley. And I'm Katie. And you're listening to The Reference Desk, a podcast where two librarians take you down the rabbit hole of the topics that have bewitched us. So adjust the chain on your reading glasses, button up your favorite cardigan, and follow us punk-ass book jockeys through the stacks to The Reference Desk. I have my gin and tonic. I have wine tonight. Ooh, you're so fancy. <laughs> it's like really cheap red Moscato. It's not real wine. <laughs> oh, I, I can't even remember the last time I had like real wine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm usually like, what's on the sale shelf? Because Absolutely. I don't care. <laughs> yes, exactly. <sighs> and it's it's been a, a week yeah what's been going on with you this week just I mean back at work is crazy after being gone from a week for a week and then um Wednesday I literally got nothing done at work because I was just watching the inauguration all day (laughs) which was great yeah yeah I mean I I did nothing either yeah yeah. Rory was so bored. I turned it on and she was like, Mama, this is just work TV. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Just work TV. <laughs> no, this is a celebration. Watching it before was work TV. Oh, man. That's right. Yeah, I've just been kind of like basking in the glory of just having decent human beings back in the White House. Yes, it's like you can breathe again. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (sighs) Well, have you been reading anything fun? Um, so I've been listening to the audiobook version of Song Teller by Dolly Parton. And it's just delightful. Does she read um, it? So she talks. She does. Yes. Mm-hmm. She talks about the stories behind her songs. Um, and it's just like listening to Dolly have a conversation about her life. Oh. And it makes me love her all the more. She's amazing. She is. She's, she's so confident and sure of herself, but mm-hmm. still like so humble yeah. and relatable and Oh, oh, I just love her. I just feel like she's like the world's auntie right now. Oh, my gosh. She's a fantastic human being. Yeah. The hardcover of it looks so good, and I want to get my hands on it to see all of the photographs and artwork. But listening to her read it is the best. Yeah. I'll have to see if we have that at the library. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was was sold out on Amazon the last time I looked. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Um, and then I also bought both of Christy Teigen's cookbooks. <laughs> so nice. I've been, quote unquote, reading those. Um, yeah. We made the blueberry cream cheese pancakes last night. Ooh. And they were to die for. That sounds delicious. Yes. Almost what about you? Have you been reading anything? Just a lot of picture books. <laughs> um <laughs> And really nothing, like, spectacular as of right now. 
Um, no, there was a picture book called uh, The Little Blue Cottage, and I'm really mad that I forgot the author, but um, it's just about a cottage by the sea, and there's a family that visits every summer, and the house just looks forward to this family visiting, and then, you know, a couple of years go by, and the family hasn't visited, um, and the house is sad, but then all of a sudden, the girl's all grown up, and she's a mom now, and she comes back with her family and visits The Little Blue Cottage, so... It's beautiful. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> yeah, it's and it's beautifully illustrated. Oh. It reminds me the illustrations of um, the old picture book, uh, Miss Rumphius. I don't know if you Ooh. know that one. No. It's, yeah, it's um, about a, a woman. I feel, I feel like it's in Maine, but it might be Michigan. And now I don't, I, <laughs> it's an M, I think. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean it this woman she has this whole backstory and I don't know if it's based on a true person it might be um but she f- plants these fields of lupines everywhere and I don't know it's really pretty <laughs> but it's I, I want to say it's at least from the 70s it might okay. be earlier than that but I'm not positive hmm, but okay. yeah so just a lot of picture books and um, I am reading a parenting book called You Are Your F- Child's First Teacher. And I think it was originally written in the 80s, but I'm reading, I think, the third edition, um, which is still, I think, about 10 years old. But it is phenomenal. Like, it just Ooh. makes you feel so good about what you're doing and and how, I don't know, nobody knows what they're doing, <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> And it's just really about um, just being present with your kids. You don't have to have, you know, the latest gadgets and all that. And you don't have to feel like you're constantly on with your kids. Just them being Mm -hmm. around you while you're doing like normal household things is really soothing and comforting to them is what she says. So Hmm. that was really I'm really, really enjoying that one. That's great because a lot of times I'll like start reading parenting books and I'm like, nope, not doing this. <laughs> right. Just because so much- it just makes you feel awful or it makes you feel because you're like, oh my God, I have to stop the way that I've been parenting for the last two <laughs> years and just start over. Exactly. Yeah. This is a very like start where you are approach and like just the biggest thing is just be present and available. And, but you know, they don't have to be the center of attention all the time. Sometimes they like to be by themselves. <laughs> I was like, huh, all right. I, I wish that uh, that she liked to be by herself a little bit more, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll get there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So are we ready to get into this? I think so. I'm excited. I, my topic's a little, a little off the wall this week. Ooh. Um, so as you know, and, uh, no one else does that is listening to this, I'm sure. But (laughs) anyways, about a year ago, my family moved from Florida to Michigan. Mm -hmm. Um, and there were a lot of changes. I grew up in Michigan, but I had spent almost 15 years in Florida. So moving back was a really big adjustment. Yeah. It's crazy. I can't believe that I was there that long. Uh, Wow. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, everything's different. The weather, the lack of (laughs) Disney World, um, just just all the usual stuff. 
Uh, my car got stuck for the first time today. <gasps> really? And that was really fun. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Fortunately, it was just in our driveway. Um, but yeah, so we spent Rory's nap time digging my car out. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, but one thing that has been kind of odd seeing coming back is that since I've gone away and come back, um, recreational marijuana is now legal here. Uh huh. <laughs> so you drive down the highway, and there's like thousands of billboards for marijuana dispensaries, and they're like they're they're fancy, and they have beautiful <laughs> logos. Um, the dispensaries themselves are like these super cool, pristine facilities. Like it's it's not like seedy at all. It's just it's just really nice. Um, yeah. They employ a ton of people. And they just seem to be a really positive thing for this area. Um, you walk by people like hanging out downtown and they're just standing there like smoking a joint on the sidewalk. <laughs> it's just like it's a fully integrated part of life here. Yeah. And it's just super bizarre because when I originally left to go to college in Florida, it was not. Right. Um, so it's just really interesting to see that shift starting to happen. Uh, in so many places in our country and people realizing that drugs are one a personal decision and we need to shift the focus from incarceration to rehabilitation for those who need it um, but also that it can be taxed and monetized yeah <laughs> and make you know make our country some serious money yeah um in November, Oregon, where my brother lives, passed legislation to decriminalize all personal use of any drugs. Whoa. I didn't and know they that. Just, yeah. Um, wow. So, you know, it's it's not technically legal, but um, if a law enforcement officer chooses to do something about it, it's either going to be a fine or, um, you know, uh, like mandated rehabilitation. Wow. Um, and they've just pumped a bunch of money back into their uh, mental health facilities, which is That's awesome. awesome. Um, I think it's just incredible. And hopefully the rest of the country will move that way eventually. Mm -hmm. um, and then I've also been seeing some articles and news stories on uh, mental health professionals that are beginning to research the use of uh, psychoactive drugs and therapy, huh. which I thought was pretty fascinating. And that is what led me down the rabbit hole of what has me bewitched this week, which Ooh. is ayahuasca. I know I've heard that word, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> Ooh, yay. Yay. Um, so ayahuasca is a tea-type brew that's made from blending two plants, and sometimes more, but always at least these two. Mm -hmm. that produces an extremely intense psychoactive experience. Um, ayahuasca comes from the Amazon basin in South America, and it's been used spiritually there for at least thousands of years. According to maps.org, ayahuasca is a psychoactive brew or tea most commonly derived from... Uh, these are some plant names in Latin that I'm going to butcher. <laughs> Banisteriopsis copy, Whoa. commonly called the ayahuasca vine, okay, which is, that's easy. <laughs> uh, 
which is a vine that contains monoamine oxidase inhibitors or MAOIs Mm -hmm. and the leaves of Psychotria verdis, commonly called Chacruna, um, which is the other plant that contains dimethyltryptamine or DMT. Uh Uh-huh. And several other admixture plants that sometimes they add to the brew. Um, so, sorry, my my dog and cat are fighting in the background. <laughs> they need some tea. No. Uh, <laughs> MAOI, that's what, like, Zoloft is, right? Maybe? Uh, poss- possibly. I don't know. Um, I'm not going to go too far into the science behind it because, <laughs> frankly, I don't understand most of it. And... I'm really more fascinated by the cultural aspect of it personally, but basically the mixture of the two plants is important because the MAOIs in the vine prevent your stomach enzymes from breaking down the DMT, which means that it reaches your brain like in a very slow, sustained way. And then the DMT is what causes the trip Mm -hmm. or the intense, prolonged hallucinations. So different communities throughout the Amazon basin brew their ayahuasca differently. Some add other plants and the texture varies from like a tea-like liquid to a tar-like paste. Um, Yeah, it sounds awful. (laughs) Um, And everyone who's ever tried it agrees that no matter how it's brewed, the taste is horrendous. So other than drinking something super gross and experiencing a long, intense psychedelic trip, why would someone want to consume ayahuasca? Um, So it's not known for sure exactly how long humans have been brewing ayahuasca, but evidence shows that it's been in use for at least a thousand years in the Amazon basin area. And in that area, it was and is revered as a powerful traditional spiritual medicine. And in a lot of areas, it is the most powerful and important medicine that they have. Okay. It's often considered the mother plant and the most important and valuable link between our world and the spirit world or God. Yeah. The indigenous people in South America use the brew for various reasons, ranging from forming a spiritual connection with the plant world to gaining knowledge or curing illness. So in traditional use, ayahuasca is used by indigenous shaman. Mm -hmm. And the specifics of how they use it kind of vary based on community, but shamans usually undergo really intense training before they're considered qualified to use ayahuasca for medicinal purposes. Okay. So according to a former Quechua, I don't know if I'm, I hope I'm saying that right. A Quechua shaman, he described the training as, quote, shamans in training consume ayahuasca every day over the course of five years. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It gets better. Maintain a diet of only mashed bananas. No. <laughs> and abstain from all sexual relationships. The former I... shaman argues this process allows for a shaman to gain the knowledge of the true art of shamanism, which involves healing and divination. Whoa. 
only bananas and you're tripping for five years. Ah, that's intense. (laughs) It's very intense. I don't know if the fact that like you're constantly tripping makes it easier to live on only mashed bananas. (laughs) Maybe you can imagine them to be something else. Yeah, I'm not sure. So the interesting thing about the way the indigenous people use ayahuasca for healing is that um, when the community member or patient is in search of healing from ayahuasca, they actually don't usually drink it themselves. Instead, they go to a shaman who's been trained and the shaman consults with them, asks them, you know, what's bothering them. And then the shaman takes the ayahuasca and then is shown how to best help the patient. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Um, According to Shakruna.net, locally it is the tool that the healer employs to enter the world of the spirits, channel the chants he receives from the spirits into his healing, and capture information about the illness of the patient and the medicine that the patient needs. It often happens that the local patients do not drink ayahuasca, as in the case of the ceremonies run by the Shipibo, who are currently the most popular shamans in Iquitos. Hmm. So basically the ayahuasca is just the medicine that the shaman or the tool that the shaman is using to provide the ultimate medicine to the patient, which is um, whatever knowledge they gather while they're under the influence of uh, ayahuasca. And usually Mm -hmm. that's that they deliver that like in the way of like singing a song to the patient. Okay. Um. So there are some rare cases where indigenous people do consume the brew themselves, but it seems like the main reason and benefit is for the purge part of the ayahuasca experience. I'm sorry, purge as in like killing people? No, (laughs) not that purge. Not that purge, but it doesn't sound a whole lot more pleasant than that. No. Um, and we'll we'll go into some specifics a little later. Um, but yeah, the main benefit is the purge, not necessarily the actual trip. Um, and in many ceremonies where they're giving the ayahuasca to a patient, they only brew the vine, which doesn't have the DMT in it. So it just causes the purge and not the hallucinations. Mm. But we're here to talk about uh, Westerners' use of ayahuasca. And <laughs> if we know anything about Westerners, <laughs> it's that we are not paying a bunch of money to have a shaman sing to us. We're going to do it ourselves. Yeah, we want to take the ayahuasca ourselves. Um, <laughs> and that has, is exactly what's created this huge, booming ayahuasca business in South America. So ayahuasca rose to modern popularity within the past decade. Um, Silicon Valley entrepreneurs and A-list celebrities started trying it. Um, Lindsay Lohan credits ayahuasca for helping her work through her childhood trauma. Oh. (laughs) And Chelsea Handler says that it saved her relationship with her sister. Oh, my gosh. So, I mean, it has to be good. (laughs) Did Madonna get it on this? Uh, I did not read anything specifically about Madonna, but, I mean, I'm sure she did. But she's way too cool to, like, brag about it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
that's just like a normal day for her. It just seems like it'd be her jam. I don't know. <laughs> um, so in the U.S., ayahuasca is considered a Schedule One drug and is illegal. So if you want to try it, you have to go to South America. And the most popular place that people head to is the Iquitos area of Peru. And some people that go in search of ayahuasca healing are actually seeking real help. You know, maybe nothing else that they've tried has worked and they're truly looking for any alternative. Um, but most of the people that are doing this are really just kind of curious yeah. to see what ayahuasca can do for them. <laughs> so if you are interested in participating in an ayahuasca ceremony, you can book yourself into a lovely retreat center in South America where for several nights you can experience ayahuasca while being pampered by day by things like massage, yoga, mud baths, and all organic meals. Well, doesn't that sound lovely? You know, <laughs> uh, looking at some of these places, I was like, yeah, that looks nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there was a reporter for Vox, Sean Illing, who went to an ayahuasca retreat in Costa Rica, and he documented his experience. Um, and he said that each of the four nights, he was there for a four-night retreat, each of the four nights of the ceremony was slightly different because each night they had a different shaman or healer leading the ceremony. So the ayahuasca brew changed every night. Um, and the ceremony itself changed a little bit. So the first night, he describes entering the ceremony space. The doors open and all 78 of us here for this week-long session pour into the ceremony room called the flight deck. The room is big, divided into three sections, and there are two bathrooms on each side. It's dimly lit and mattresses are lined up on the floor against the walls. The beds are only a few inches apart. At the foot of each mattress is a roll of toilet paper and a blue or red bucket. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so I was kind of along for the ride with, like, the yoga and the yeah. massage and stuff yeah. until we walked into this room, and it's oh, just gosh. like... <laughs> yeah, a bucket and a roll of toilet paper is never a good combination. Especially with 78 people in the room with you. <laughs> Yes. Oh. <laughs> oh. So the participants are told to approach the ceremony with a clear goal or question in mind. And Illing said that those who weren't really sure exactly what they were looking for were supposed to ask the ayahuasca to, quote, show me who I've become. Cool. Which sounds really scary. Yeah. So everyone lines up and they drink their first cup of ayahuasca, which Illing describes as a cup of motor oil diluted with a splash of water. <laughs> I know. Um, so the drug takes at least 30 minutes to work its way through the body. So participants just kind of relax on their very crowded mattresses and wait. <laughs> And then after about an hour or so, they're served a second cup of the brew, and that's what really makes things start to pick up. So many participants experience the purging that we talked about earlier. 
In traditional ayahuasca use, the purging is believed to be the exit of negative spirits or energy from the body. And the purging comes in the form of either vomiting or diarrhea. Uh And I mean, I just, I just cannot imagine shitting my pants or puking in a room full of 78 strangers. Oh my gosh. Like my worst nightmare. That's terrible. Why would you sign up for this? <laughs> and, oddly, and oddly, purging is a really sought after effect of the ayahuasca. And participants uh, seem super disappointed if they don't get to experience it. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I can yeah. maybe, maybe see like if you were by yourself, but not in a room of 78 people. I know. I know. <gasps> So after um, phase one is just the relaxing, getting sleepy. Stage two is the purging. Um, And then we enter stage three, which is uh, like the trip part. Um, Mm -hmm. And ayahuasca produces extremely vivid and prolonged hallucinations, which can last for many hours. Um, Depending on the brew, it's usually like around four hours of just tripping balls <laughs> in a room um, full of vomit and diarrhea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Many participants describe reliving significant moments of their life, unlocking repressed memories or revealing truths about themselves that they simply can't explain. Hmm. Um, and uh, people who have tried it describe it as being in a very lucid dreamlike state. Uh, so, it sounds like if if you take ayahuasca and you get to like have an awesome conversation with like your favorite dead relative or discover what your purpose on earth is, like that sounds great. Yeah. But there's also a lot of really horrible things that you can see while using ayahuasca. Oh gosh. And um the second night of Illing's ayahuasca retreat, he experienced um looking over at the woman next to him and watching like fifty or sixty snakes come out of her mouth slither across the floor and go into his mouth no (laughs) yes that's terrifying i know oh i know yeah yeah like he was he was able to like recount like everything that he saw and experienced while he was using it um but yeah i think i think i would have been out after that second night But he still had two more nights to go. (laughs) So uh, Illing wrote that his experience with ayahuasca ultimately showed him the ways in which he overlooked his wife and allowed him to return to his marriage in a more present and appreciative way. And he also says that during his final night of ayahuasca, he rewatched his entire life and saw all the ways in which he was being inauthentic in an effort to look better to other people. And he says that left him with the knowledge that he had repeatedly sacrificed his real self to fit in. Oh, my gosh. Which is super profound. Very. Yes. And he's he says um, after he gets home, looking back on his experiences, he said that the lessons he learned from ayahuasca, while amazing and really helped his marriage, like the the lesson of I always should be my authentic self wasn't as easy to put into practice in real Mm -hmm. life 
as like what he thought when he was, you know, in the jungle of Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. Um, And he says that sometimes he feels like an urge to go back, but not to do ayahuasca again. He just, he really liked the human connection part where he was like with this big group of people who were all there in search of the same thing. Huh. Um, Which is kind of interesting. Um, So it sounds to me like he would kind of be cool with like any sort of like retreat where he got to hang out with <laughs> some yeah. people who had like-minded interests. Um, <laughs> like pooping so he, into a bucket. <laughs> like, like pooping into a bucket. Your choice of red or blue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. So he ultimately says... Quote, now that I've had some time to think about it, I'd say ayahuasca is the best and worst thing I've ever done. I spent a week staring down all my bullshit and all my insecurities, and it was totally liberating. But it was also terrifying and not something I want or need to see again. Hmm. Yeah, makes sense. So if you're into uh, pooping in buckets and (laughs) seeing snakes slither down your throat um the cost of a week-long ayahuasca retreat is usually somewhere in the two to three thousand dollar range oh my gosh plus airfare and all of your own personal expenses and at first i was like you know like some of these places do look beautiful Mm -hmm. and i guess you'd probably pay that going anywhere for like an all-inclusive spa vacation and then i remembered that you spend every night puking or shitting in a bucket. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, that Ooh. went off. That came off the travel list real quick after I remembered <laughs> that. Um, so even though it sounds really awful to me, there's a lot of people that want to do this. And um, it does have some recorded like pros to it Mm -hmm. um some users claim that one night of ayahuasca can replace the work of 10 years of therapy um therapists you know are not saying that it's just people who have (laughs) have tried ayahuasca (laughs) um uh and i'm not sure that a night of uncontrolled hallucinations can promise the work of a decade of mental health professionals right but there is some evidence to suggest that westerners that participate in the more traditional real ayahuasca ceremonies experience Mm -hmm. psychological benefits but they mostly attribute that to the profound spiritual and ceremonial aspects Mm-hmm. of the ceremony not so much the actual drug use itself sure um and then participants who were kind of in way more westernized like here come sit on your mat here's your drugs sort of mm-hmm. ceremonies they did not evaluate their personal growth to be nearly as high as those who participated in the traditional ceremonies okay uh so it seems like most people are really experiencing benefits when they're really in tuned with the ritualistic aspects of Mm -hmm. the ceremony and uh, a really good ayahuasca ceremony really needs to have guidance before the ceremony so um, like maybe you're helping the shaman brew the tea uh, you're talking with them about what you hope to achieve you're reflecting on what you you know your life experiences and what you're hoping to gain um, Mm -hmm. and then 
really being involved in the ritual leading up to the actual drinking. Uh, and then you also need a lot of support and guidance during your ceremony. And when you're working with a skilled healer or shaman, they can really help guide you and ensure your safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another huge piece is having help afterwards to help you process right. what you experienced and form it into a meaningful tool that you yeah. can take with you. You know, maybe someone can help you make sense of the 60 snakes that you saw. <laughs> yeah, that was that guy's problem. Yeah. <laughs> no one told him about the snakes and what they meant. I know. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, not all ayahuasca retreats offer that level of support. And sure. a lot of people that are going to these places are really going for like the experience of just using the drug. Yeah. Um, And there also seems to be evidence that ayahuasca helps in the treatment of drug and alcohol abuse, Hmm. which seems kind of counterproductive, like using (laughs) using a drug to treat a drug addiction. Yeah. Um, So he remembered that. Like, that's. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's the point is you're supposed to remember all this stuff. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That's okay. Your face was the best. As if as if no one would notice that you just <laughs> hit your microphone with your wine glass. You just you just froze. If they can't see me, it didn't happen. <laughs> That's right. Oh. Oh boy. Um so anyways, Sorry. Uh, as far as the drug and alcohol treatment goes, again, if, uh, the very like limited evidence that they have shows that for most of the people, it was more the religious and ritualistic aspects uh, that helped them, right? As opposed to the actual ayahuasca, which makes sense, right? I mean, it's just like I, I guess like going to an AA meeting, like yeah, everyone's there for the same thing. There's a ritual to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Um, really, the draw of ayahuasca for most people seems to be a search for answers, meaning, or reflection in a short amount of time. And it just kind of reminded me of, like, everything else in our quote-unquote wellness industry. Like, this diet will make you lose 20 pounds in 10 days or like just all of that crap. Um, it's, it's like these people are intrigued by the idea of like working through a lifetime of issues in like four days, which that's too much, (laughs) too much to do in too little time. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It doesn't seem real realistic. Yeah. Um, but I did come across some kind of intriguing personal stories of success with using ayahuasca. Mm -hmm. So there's this Netflix documentary series called Unwell. And they like each episode covers a different aspect of the wellness industry. Uh And it's it's really well done. And they have an episode on ayahuasca. And there were there were a few stories that like really got me. So there's this one woman named Angela Murray 
and she was this strong young single mother uh, who joined the military to try to give her daughter a better life and she ends up meeting her partner there and they get married he adopts her daughter and they're just like this beautiful happy family and her husband was experiencing a lot of stress at work and went to his doctor and asked for medication Mm -hmm. and he got the medication and he was acting like a little bit differently, but he was like, I'm fine. Um, and she found out afterwards that he had called the doctor and the doctor doubled the prescription dose without oh. even seeing him in person again. Oh, gosh. Uh, and unfortunately, this led to um, Angela receiving a phone call one afternoon that her husband was dead and had <gasps> murdered her daughter <gasps> before turning the gun on himself. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, just jeez. Uh, literally probably the worst thing that can happen. Absolutely. Um so Angela obviously suffered from severe PTSD yes. and was just in constant total agony and she she was basically just done with life. She planned to complete suicide and um Then she saw in one of her veteran support groups on Facebook that some people were recommending ayahuasca for treating their PTSD. Mm -hmm. And she thought, why not? Um, And her quote was, if everything else has failed, what do you have to lose? Yeah, that's true. And she says that on ayahuasca, she was able to confront and walk through her grief And um, she says that, of course, life is extremely hard, but she feels hopeful and sees a path forward Mm -hmm. um, through healing. So she credits it with saving her life. Huh. Yeah. I wonder Um, if that depends on the person. Like if and if it's all just their headspace and if they're able to get there and not necessarily the work of the drug. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I have never taken a psychedelic drug, so, like, I have no idea um, what that experience is like. But I would imagine that if your mind is open to it and is searching mm-hmm. for certain things, that it's going to, like, have a different effect than if you're just like, ah, I'm going to get high. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I always think about... Um, do you remember that friend uh, of Ed's that we met in college who had who was on like LSD or something and drilled a hole into his head? Yes! Oh my gosh! <laughs> How did I completely forget about that? <laughs> that That's... is like what I always think of. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it, it can just go real wrong for people. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it might save your life, or maybe you might drill a hole into your skull. <laughs> um, there was <laughs> there was another woman on this unwell uh, episode whose name was Me Oak, and um, she woke up one morning and basically it was really hard to move her limbs, and she describes it as she felt like her body was mummifying. Oh my. Gosh. Yeah, it sounds awful. She was uh, diagnosed with scleroderma, Mm -hmm. which is a hardening of the skin, organs, and connective tissue. So basically your entire body just 
hardens until <sighs> it stops working. <sighs> um, <laughs> and there's no known cure for it. Um, at the time that her disease was the worst, she was taking 32 pain pills a day. And she had, she says that it did nothing. She had no relief. Um, She couldn't walk. She was bed bound and she did not want to live. And a friend of hers suggested that she try ayahuasca after she had been bedridden for three years. And again, she was like, why not? I literally have nothing to lose. Um, She says of her first ayahuasca experience, quote, I was floating in space and everything that I had been taught to believe that I am sort of broke off of me like a fuselage. Every time I threw up, I could feel some of the disease leave my body. I heard a voice that told me to stand and I did. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. So she's on ayahuasca and she hears this voice that's like, get up, stand up. And she's like look at my wheelchair i can't and the voice was like no do it and she did um but but when it wore off she couldn't walk again um but she felt like oh my god like this there's something to this right Uh, so she continues drinking it and after the third time she started to be able to make some small movements like nodding and turning her head and she was able to continue doing that Uh uh-huh Um, And she also says that the ayahuasca helped her work through all of her childhood trauma. She was um, pretty severely sexually abused in her childhood. um, And she felt like holding on to all that trauma had an effect on her body, which, I mean, we know to some extent that it does. Mm -hmm. Um, So she feels like working through that on the ayahuasca helped her improve. and at the time of that documentary airing, she had been steadily improving for six years. And like, wow. she's, she's like walking around. She's uh, like throwing a ball for her dog. Um, so it's really hard to listen to these stories about ayahuasca, like literally changing and saving people's lives and kind of like not wonder like, like what could it do for me? Right. Um, but it isn't without its risks and it has some pretty big downsides <laughs> besides pooping in a bucket besides pooping in a bucket uh so my initial thought when i heard about you know these westerners that that are traveling to peru to do these rituals was like mm-hmm. oh my gosh it's got to be awesome for like the local people mm-hmm. like they're making all this money um, right. but sadly it's not really the case Ugh. Uh, a lot of the retreat centers are actually owned by outsiders or Westerners themselves. Of course. So they're really not bringing any economic traffic to the area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the local producers of ayahuasca are being given a lot of business. Uh, but the influx of demand has driven up the prices for the locals in some places up to 300%. Oh my god. Which means I know. Which means that the locals no longer have access to their traditional medicine. That's awful. I know. Um and another I guess I shouldn't say that it's surprising. Um, another kind of weird side effect of this ayahuasca tourism is that it has increased really destructive activities like jaguar poaching. <gasps> Throughout the areas, 
Which, I, I don't know. I You know, us Westerners. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. I know that. No words. Anytime, anytime we go like somewhere foreign, we're like, I gotta kill some. Yeah. <laughs> we ruin everything. Yes. And it's just having like a really destructive impact on their environment. Mm-hmm. So, um, not only are they, you know, destroying their land and denying them access to their own medicine, but many locals also see the sudden interest in ayahuasca as a fetishization or appropriation of a cultural sure. co- cornerstone and something that they themselves have been persecuted for for hundreds of years, you yeah. know, by by Western missionaries or uh, local militias. And, of course, the American-led war on drugs, which had Mm -hmm. a profound impact all over the world. And now everyone's like, oh, ayahuasca's cool. Uh, It's also pretty insulting to these native shaman that have studied for, you know, five years eating nothing but mashed bananas. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That, um, you know, these retreat centers, like, maybe they might be employing some of the local shaman, uh, but really, as long as they can get their hands on the ayahuasca, they're not super concerned about it. Right. Um, and then just the use of ayahuasca itself can have s- really uh, serious life-threatening complications. Um, so the the quote-unquote mild side effects of ayahuasca include vomiting, diarrhea, increased heart rate, dizziness, increased blood pressure, chest pain. And when consumed in large quantities, seizures. Oh. <laughs> and people who are taking antidepressants that contain SSRIs, mm-hmm. ayahuasca can cause serotonin syndrome, which is it basically floods your body with serotonin, and it can right. be fatal. That's and what then, I was thinking of, SSRIs, not MAOIs. <laughs> okay. So, so it's one of is the- an SSRI, <laughs> I think. Yes. Now I don't know. I I think so. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, one of those medical abbreviations. Yeah. Um, and then on the flip side, people who are taking stimulant drugs like Adderall mm-hmm. can also have really adverse interactions with ayahuasca. And then um, if you have a history of any sort of psychiatric illness like bipolar, schizophrenia, multiple personality disorder... Uh, Taking ayahuasca can be disastrous. Um, Ayahuasca can really exacerbate those already present um, symptoms like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, paranoid delusions. Mm -hmm. I would imagine if you're seeing things, that's not a good mix. Um, And it can have really bad drug interactions with antipsychotic medication. Mm -hmm. And there's... uh, a terrible story from Peru where there was this um, frequent ayahuasca tourist from Canada who ended up murdering a local medicine woman. And she was just like this sweet, old, revered healer in the community. Mm -hmm. And he just flat out murdered her, uh, like in her front yard. And in response, the community lynched him. Wow. 
Yeah, so it was a terrible situation, and uh, it's suspected that the man was using antipsychotics and ayahuasca simultaneously, which intensified his paranoid delusions and led him to murdering this woman. Uh, My Favorite Murder did an episode on this. It's episode 238, Lady Suit. And they go way more into the details about it. Um, uh, so even if you don't have any, like, really bad reaction to it, you're not guaranteed to have, like, a nice enlightening trip. Like, you may experience terrifying visions. Sure. Um, you may relive your most traumatic moments or face your worst fear, like having hundreds of snakes crawl down your throat. (laughs) Um... And when the drug wears off, ayahuasca can cause you to feel extreme anxiety or depression as a result of what you experienced. Right. Um, And while ayahuasca isn't currently known to have any physical addiction potential, of course it can create psychological dependency. Yeah. And, like, anything that you read on these, a lot of people who try ayahuasca and like have an enjoyable experience, like immediately want to do it again because right. they want like they want more and more and more. What can sure. I get out of it next time? Right. Um, and really, overall, there's, there just haven't been any significant studies regarding the use of DMT DMT therapeutically. So we just really don't even know what all the risks are. So if after all of that. <laughs> Ayahuasca is still appealing to you, but you don't have the money to fly to South America. You do have a few options for getting your hands on ayahuasca in the States. So there are two widely recognized religions that use ayahuasca in their practices. One is the Uniu du Vegetal, or the UDV, and the Santo Daimi. And both of those religions originated in South America, but they have a lot of practitioners and churches. Not practitioners. What? What's the? It's not practitioners. People who follow the religion. (laughs) Yes, they have. Um, (laughs) practitioners like a doctor, isn't it? (laughs) I mean, ask ask your healthcare practitioner about (laughs) ayahuasca. Like a shaman or a medicine person could be a practitioner maybe yeah and like, I th- i've heard of people who do voodoo as being practitioners so i don't know <laughs> yeah i'm thinking of like the word for people who like go to church i think i was confusing it with like par- parishioners is that parishioners the- parishioner parishioners right. uh anyways <laughs> church people there's there's a good amount of these church people in the u.s <laughs> oh and the churches are allowed to use ayahuasca while under strict supervision and control by the government and this is because um they get a religious exemption for use of the ayahuasca and oh. it's kind of like the peyote exemption that the native mm-hmm. american church gets mm-hmm. um and of course when whenever someone in America sees someone like actually doing something like the legit way, they're like, "How can I use this to my benefit?" Right. So there's also been a smattering of smaller quote unquote churches that have popped up um, to start offering the use of ayahuasca. 
uh, most are quickly shut down. Um, there's a few other, a few of the other big ones are kind of tied up in court battles right now to try to assert their rights to use the drug. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just kind of operating like off of the, um, the belief that it should be allowed. So until they're explicitly shut down, they're going to continue. Um, one of the big ones is, uh, I'll give you one guess where it is. What state would it be in? California. No. It's in Orlando, or- Florida. Oh <laughs> no. Yes. Orlando. <laughs> they have everything. Bob Vance bought me this perfume in Metropolitan Orlando. <laughs> it's made from real pine. So the Soul Quest Ayahuasca Church of Mother Earth in Orlando Mm -hmm. offers ayahuasca weekend retreats for the donation price of $899. Okay, so cheaper than $2,000. Yes. (laughs) They can't actually charge you for the ayahuasca because then it's like dealing drugs. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But there's a, you know, a very, very strongly suggested donation. Sure. Um, and that includes two ayahuasca ceremonies, your meals, uh, a little bit of yoga, and some breath work. And you also get to sleep on a four-inch mattress in a communal ceremony area. Oh. And you are advised, if you're interested in this, Haley, to bring your own flashlight and yeah. bottle for water. Okay. But will they provide the bucket? <laughs> That's a really good question. <laughs> You there must wasn't... provide your own bucket. <laughs> I mean, I think that I would probably want to provide my own, given the choice. Right. You don't know who's used your bucket before you. Yeah. Maybe, like, write, like, an encouraging <laughs> message to yourself on the bottom. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. <laughs> a little, a, like, a little picture of, like, the hang in there, kitty. <laughs> Or the photo that you just took on one of the roller coasters at Universal, since it's, you know, probably right down the road. You'll just <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, if you're going to Orlando. Might as well. Yeah. Can you imagine what Harry Potter world would be like after doing ayahuasca? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh. Okay, let's let's wrap this up. All right, so there are a few studies that are happening on ayahuasca. Uh, On the show Unwell, they showed a neuroscientist in Brazil who was studying the effects of ayahuasca on um, what's called treatment-resistant depression, which basically means that, like, nothing else has worked. Um, And he claimed that his studies showed that ayahuasca can have immediate effects that last up to seven days. So I mean, that's kind of promising. Um, yeah. It's not ideal to have to take like six hours a week to go on a crazy drug trip. Sure. I, I mean, whatever works. Yeah. Um, because it is a Schedule One drug here in the U.S., it can't be used in any sort of medical research. Um, 
But a lot of people hope that that rule is kind of on its way to changing. They're already starting to do a little bit of testing, like I said, with some different, like, like microdosing of different um, psychedelics. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously there's a lot more study that's needed. And my thoughts are just that if it turns out that this drug is super beneficial then we have to come up with a way that we can use it that's not harmful to the indigenous people that rely on it. Absolutely. And if that's not and if it's not possible, then it just needs to be taken off the table. Yeah. Um I personally think that ayahuasca, like most other psychedelics, probably has the potential to be beneficial to certain people in certain situations. Mm-hmm. Um so if you're interested in trying ayahuasca, my advice, well, don't do it right now. It's a pandemic. Don't be an asshole and spread Stay COVID home. to indigenous communities in the Amazon. Oh, um, but once it's safe, my advice would be try to find a location that practices specific ceremonial aspects, provides mental health support before, during, and after, and make sure that you find a facility that has either on-site medical care or at least a plan in place in case something goes wrong. Because yeah. it does go wrong, and there's been, you know, reports of tourists dying at oh, these gosh. places. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's that's everything that I know about ayahuasca. Oh, my gosh. That's fascinating. Yeah. So do you think that you would try ayahuasca? Absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, no, 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 no. <laughs> I have <laughs> very bad anxiety, and I would think that I would just relive all of the worst moments that happened to me because I already do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could totally see that. It just being yeah. like, just like a replay of like every stupid thing I said my entire life. <laughs> oh my gosh, it would be awful. Yeah. I already think about those things all the time for no reason. (laughs) But maybe, maybe it could like cure you and you would never have those thoughts again. Oh gosh. I don't know. I I don't know if I can get past pooping in a bucket. I know. In front of 70 people. I just can't. I know. There's not very many situations where you're like, please let it be the vomit and not (laughs) the diarrhea. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I really think that I would only try it if like some of those other people, if I felt like there's nothing else, like I literally have nothing to lose. Right. Yeah. Then it's like, yeah, why not? Um, but yeah. Okay. So fascinating. Yeah. So, uh, I have a few book recommendations. Um, the first one is called uh, Ayahuasca in My Blood, 25 Years of Medicine Dreaming by Peter Gorman. And um, this is... Ri- familiar. I Peter don't know. Gorman. I don't know. Okay, sorry. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything about him other than this book, which is um, <laughs> basically 25 years before this book was published, he set out on his own adventure to experience ayahuasca in the Amazon. And he spent, like, you know, a good chunk of his life just in search of ayahuasca. So Mm -hmm. he's done thousands of ayahuasca ceremonies from the amazing to the absolutely 
terrible and terrifying Mm -hmm. and everything in between. And this is like his memoir um, of his ayahuasca use. The second is Ayahuasca Visions, the Religious Iconography of a Peruvian Shaman Mm -hmm. by Pablo Amaringo and Luis Eduardo Luna. Mm -hmm. And this, it looks like... um, it's a traditional Amazonian shaman who mm-hmm. collaborated with uh, like an artist to produce uh, artwork and graphics of what his trips on ayahuasca oh, have shown him, That's which sounds really, really cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then a couple of fiction books that are kind of tangentially related. Um, Nine Perfect Strangers by Leanne Moriarty. Mm is a book about um, nine people who check into a wellness retreat center in a very remote part of Australia. And they're expecting kind of just like a spa and pampering and relaxation, but it ends up being super bizarre and questionable the way that these healers work with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the next one is Fitness Junkie by Lucy Sykes and Joe Piazza. And this one is about a successful CEO who goes on a highly satirical journey through the world of fitness and wellness trends in an effort to lose weight to appease her image-obsessed business partner. Um, And she does participate in an ayahuasca ceremony as part of her journey that ends up being pretty hilarious. (laughs) So yeah, those are my uh, those are my recommendations, well, and definitely did... check out um, the Unwell series on Netflix. It's really good. Yeah, I will add that to our list immediately. That sounds awesome. Yeah, that is for some reason I've always thought. I mean, ayahuasca. I know I've heard the word. I thought it was a place. So this was <laughs> this was very cool. Yay! <laughs> kind of like I said, kind of off the wall, but no, but fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I think I would want to go to like the ayahuasca retreat center and just like not like do the ceremony. Right. Like, I would. Just... I would like to watch people. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that's an option. That would be amazing. <laughs> All right. Oh, that was super fun. It was. I'm going to go tell Tom all about it now. All right. Well, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. You've been listening to The Reference Desk. Please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you're interested in any of the books we talked about on this episode, you can find them all and more like them at your local library. And if you'd like to purchase a book, please use our affiliate link at bookshop.org slash shop slash the reference desk pod. That's bookshop.org slash shop slash the reference desk pod, all one word. Follow us on Instagram at the reference desk pod. And check out our website at thereferencedeskpod.com, where you can find our show notes, a full list of our sources, and all of our book recommendations. Until next week. Bye.